Hello, everyone, and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with me, your host, Josh Ascroft. Uh, today, I was lucky enough on the show to get to speak to Kyle Goon from the OC Register. He usually covers uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, but in light of everything that's happened with uh, the NBA uh, boycotting games with players going on strike, uh, essentially, as a result of uh, the shooting of Jacob Blake, as well as um, all the other uh, incidents of police brutality that are so prevalent in the USA right now. Um, I got to speak to him about what sort of went on from his perspective, uh, as well as a couple of other questions about the players' meetings, uh, LeBron, uh, James, and his like what, what's going on with him through all of this, and also just with how Michael Jordan is sort of acting as a bridge between the gap of owners and players right now. Um, so that's coming up right after the intro. Hope you enjoy this interview. I will see you probably tomorrow. Okay, so I am joined here by Kyle Goon from OC Register. Um, Kyle is currently in the bubble in Orlando, so a very uh, unique perspective here uh, amongst everything that happened over uh, yesterday with the Milwaukee Bucks deciding to um, not play in their game against the Magic. Um, Kyle, what was it like for you yesterday? What was sort of the events that, that happened that led to everything that we saw? Most people here were bracing for the possibility of a boycott on on uh, Thursday, today, um, and that the Raptors and Celtics have talked about it. Fred VanVleet had said some very powerful things, um, and, and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart had sort of acknowledged the possibility that it might happen. Nick Nurse had acknowledged it. Um, and even though George Hill was very vocal on Monday, uh, his disappointment about the Jacob Blake shooting, um, I, there was no sense that the Bucks and Magic were, were not going to play their game. In fact, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and Kyle Korver were on the court warming up, fully dressed, looked like they were ready to play. Um, and I think, based on what I've learned uh, in the last 24 hours, that that was their intention um, before Sterling Brown and, and George Hill sort of talked to the locker room and convinced them to uh, to sit out as protests of, of um, you know widespread problems with with police violence against uh, against black people, um, and it, it was a pretty stunning moment um, that I think arrived faster than a lot of us imagined. And then there were very tense moments in the last 24 hours as the players met to, to discuss. And I don't think that they had a, a strong sort of unified sense of what they're going to do until they had those meetings. Um, so it's really been an up and down. Um, day in the bubble. Um, a lot of people obviously sort of hanging on what is going to happen, um, you know, if if we're going to go home, um, if the season is going to go back on, and if so, what schedule that will take. Um, yeah, it, it's just been a very wild 24 hours here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I, I can't even imagine. Um, what was the the situation like for the media? So I know that you guys or a lot of you were um, at the uh, Milwaukee game when this this boycott sort of started. 
Um, but also with the meetings that have been going on with the players, what what has that been like from your guys' perspective? Because I'm assuming that you won. Uh, no one was in the rooms for uh, any of these meetings that were sort of player and player coach or player referee exclusive. Uh, what, no. Yeah, what's that been like? Yeah, it's it's been interesting because, um, yeah, it, it's been interesting because. That it, we have not been invited in certain rooms. I mean, there was a lot of people. I was not among the people at the game um, because there are sort of strict registration rules here that are designed to, to limit the number of people in any building for social distancing reasons. Mm-hmm. So um, I was not present at the game, but the media who were there waited for a very long time outside of the, the Bucks locker room, over three hours. Yeah. Uh, waiting to see if they would come out um, and what they would do. Uh, and some accounts sort of leaked out of what was going on, that they were on the phone with Wisconsin state leaders trying to urge the legislature to, to meet again to pass police reform. Um, so so there's been, so it's been a lot of waiting, um, but, you know, there's, there's ways here that we have of, of running into people, um, you know, kind of coming and going. Um, certainly some people have relationships where they can, you know, be on the phone with players after the fact or, or texting while stuff is going on. So you see sort of different live accounts from, from various people who have relationships with players of, okay, this is who's speaking at the meeting. This is what the, the, the tension of, of what's happening. Um, and then obviously a very dramatic moment last night when we all heard that LeBron James and the Lakers and Clippers walked out. Um, so very dramatic turns here um, that we don't have, have visual access to that we can't necessarily see um but you know that like obviously we are here um we have sort of gathered in, in certain areas where the media is allowed to congregate uh talk amongst ourselves and then try to reach out to people we know in this league um to, to figure out what the future of it is um and it seems like right now that there's a lot of momentum to continue um not only because guys want to play but also because guys feel like um, they can talk about the things they care about uh, on this on this platform of the NBA restart. That there are reporters here, there's there's videos taken, and they can talk about what they want to talk about um, in those times. So that's definitely part of our role that that we sort of spread the stories that they want out there um, to the people, and uh, that's that's definitely an important thing that we all feel like we're doing here. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you wrote about the fact that how big of a deal it was for uh, LeBron to walk out of that meeting last night and how, um, in your words, it sort of represented the biggest non-COVID threat that the NBA has faced. Um, Do you uh, know any more about, it, it seems, I think it was reported earlier today that it seemed like LeBron... Uh, was now maybe saying that um, a, a continued season actually would be for the best. But but also, w- what do you think it would sort of take away, would it take away from the credibility of these playoffs if LeBron was to uh, decide to go home or to sit out for the rest of these games? I'm sorry, could you, could you repeat that part of the question? Yeah, sure. Um, so sort of just if LeBron did decide to 
go home or whether he decided to sit out for the rest of these games, how do you think that would potentially affect the credibility of a continued playoffs uh, in terms of would there be like like the asterisk that people have spoken about with this being played in Orlando already? Do you think that it would add to that kind of talk? Uh, I mean, I kind of think that it, it would be over. Um, I think the the legitimacy of the championship would be, I mean, especially if you have LeBron and the Lakers and the Clippers both sit out. I mean, the two unquestionably best teams in the West, um, what is the legitimacy of your season if, if that's the case? Like, what is the legitimacy of your champion? If, if Giannis Antetokounmpo it, it were to stay and, and the Bucks were to stay and they were to win the East and go play, I don't know, the the Jazz in the finals, is that legitimate? I mean, can you can you have – I mean, and what are the Jazz doing? Are they just sitting at home once they – they the Nuggets they, – they beat the Nuggets? Like, right. It's hard to sort of comprehend um, what what kind of legitimacy that would take a bite out of the playoffs. And, and it just would make it certainly unrecognizable and, in my opinion, would have sort of ended this entire thing. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you uh, on that, absolutely. I think it would be incredibly difficult to give anyone a uh, – yeah, real credit for winning a championship if you take away two of the probably biggest contenders. Um, and just a, a final question for you, because I know how busy you are down there, especially with everything going on right now. Uh, we, we've heard a, a lot more today about how Michael Jordan has sort of been able to be uh, a go-between, in a sense, between owners and players um, just because of his standing uh, in the NBA, could you just speak on that, on sort of why he has been uh, the sort of ideal candidate to bridge that gap? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of forces that play there. I mean, one, he is a, is a uh, I believe, the only player who went on to be an owner. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm correct in that. I believe so. Um, and and that matters. Uh, number two. He's the only African American owner, and and that really really matters. I mean, he he is the one person, he's the one owner. Even though there are a lot of owners who are very supportive of players, um, politically and financially, um, there's only one owner who's black, and and that matters um, in a league that is eighty percent black. Um, and then there's just the the idea that Michael Jordan is has mystique and ha- and his um, you know his word is valued um, you know there's a obviously an entire 10 part series about Michael Jordan's life and legacy and competitiveness and a lot of people in the league regard him um, you know in the highest standing um, and certainly in their profession but but also in the realm of being being black and achieving great wealth and, and fame. So um, I think naturally when you have a league that is largely white owners and uh, and largely black players, there's going to be some inherent tension built into when these things happen and players are upset about issues of racial justice. There's going to be a hard empathy bridge the gap. 
or, or a gap to bridge, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael Jordan is really the one person in those three senses that, that can really make that happen. Um, and I, I think he's going to be important to um, the owners in, in crafting the right response to show the players, hey, we are listening, we are open, and we want to help in the ways that you want to see us help. So it's going to be some very critical moments here coming up this afternoon. Um, and, yeah, the, the Michael Jordan has to be a part of it because his relationship to the players has made that much stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time, for speaking on those questions. Uh, I, I'm sure it's absolute craziness down here, but uh, at least from my perspective, I am a strong ally of everything that is going on. I think I, I was sort of uh, speaking yesterday on my podcast just about the fact that if you're going to be a fan of an entertainment that is uh, primarily granted to you because of the work of black lives, then uh, you need to respect their decisions on this because it wouldn't, they don't owe you anything and the sport wouldn't be anything without them. So uh, really appreciate all the hard work that you're doing down there. And just thank you for taking the time to speak to me. All right. No problem. Have a good one, Josh. Okay. Thank you. You too.